0: Fernandez aware of the quick pass on Gallagher, and here is Jackson. Need a near-post runner, Nicholas Jackson, tight angle, Madueke, Gallagher, yes! He's been waiting for that all
1: season, Connie Gallagher! This cup tie has his first goal, there could not be a more popular scorer amongst that lot.
0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence, joining me again this week. He's back for more. He's your friend and mine. He's YouTuber and Chelsea fan TV extraordinaire. It's Charlie Patrick. Charlie, welcome back to the show. How are we?
1: Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Not bad at all. Uh, You know, feeling a bit more positive after the result in
0: midweek. And yeah, pleasure to be back again, mate. Looking forward to it. Well, it's good, nice to have a show doing on the weekend. Seeing as Chelsea are playing on Monday night against Crystal Palace, as we are recording this, um, big game when it comes to the Premier League, especially with Palace on a bit of a bad run at the moment, and they're going to be missing a number of their key players for the game, especially Goulet and Alise. But before we sort of talk about the preview to the Palace game, it's been another bonkers week for Chelsea Football Club. This time last week, we was gearing up for the game against Wolves. Twenty-four hours later, Armageddon nearly erupts in terms of Chelsea's fans' reactions to the result against Wolves. Charlie, I believe you was there, like you've been to many, many games. Your reaction to the to see how we played and sort of the reaction to the crowd, because a lot was made, a little bit on social media about what was chanted, what was not chanted, what was said amongst Chelsea supporters, especially on social media sort of how you saw the game as well do you feel that the support between the fans like ourselves and the board is starting to dwindle just a little bit
1: yeah mate i'll be i'll be honest i think this was the game for me where i think the, uh, the large sections of the match going supporters kind of lost faith in the manager um certainly perhaps lost faith in in the project a little bit but certainly it felt like Pochettino had lost a large section of the match-going fan base following that game. Um, you know, the, the scene, it was pretty toxic full-time. A lot of empty seats uh, after Cunha's penalty went in for 4-1. Um, as you would expect, as people are entitled to, to, to voice their opinions and whatnot, um, booed off at half-time, players getting booed off when they're subs, booed off at full-time. It kind of felt like that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were. Um, it, it, was, it was even more disappointing given the fact that we'd obviously didn't turn up uh, on on the in the game before against Liverpool. Uh, you know, literally were awful in that game. No one turned up. You're expecting a reaction at home. We'd been ten unbeaten. You know, home form was actually decent. Wolves are a decent side, right? But it's a game that you thought this is a good game for us to 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 give a reaction to to what happened at Anfield. And, you know, within the first couple of minutes, we could have been a goal or two down, giving the ball away in stupid areas at the back. Um, we go a goal up and then we instantly concede. And then from that moment onwards, we were just terrible, absolutely terrible, you know. Lack of willingness to to switch things up in terms of like, as a manager, I just look, it's easy to sit here and say, when you're not in that position, what you should be doing. But I think there's certain things when I look at it, the three of the Wolves' goals, right, all their goals other than the penalty... Came down the left-hand side, balling behind Chilwell, Neto getting onto the ball, making things happen, you know, crossing to the box, a couple of deflections, you're thinking, guys, as a manager, one, surely you're noticing that. It's happened a few times now. I had to stop that. And as, and as players, Chile must be thinking, or Silva seeing that there, thinking, hang on a second, they're getting in behind us every time. Maybe we need to drop deeper. Maybe we need to do something a little bit different. No one seems to be aware of anything. So, that 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 was a that was an odd one for me as well. Performance was just awful. Um, too easy to play against. Massive gaps in midfield. Uh, too easy to bypass. Yeah, everything that could have gone wrong basically went wrong. And yeah, for me, like look, that dropped us to eleventh in the table. Um, it's not good enough, you know. No one's expecting us to win every week. But the bare minimum is that you turn up and you apply yourselves and you want it. And when Chile come out afterwards and was saying that, you know. We did want it, but they wanted it more than us. Yeah, that's a right. big concern. These are supposed to be young, hungry players looking to prove themselves. And they didn't want it that much. Yeah, they wanted it a bit, but they didn't want it more than the opposition. That's
0: that's not a good place to be in. The, atti- <coughs> excuse me. the attitude seemed just completely wrong. And one thing that d- it does sort of bug me when Chelsea do post it up on their socials is when they whether they show the videos of Chelsea coming up for the warm-up. Near enough, all of them, the body language, the facials, they don't want to be there. It's sort of just like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. Oh, come on then, let's let's go. Let's let's get this over with. None of this fire, none of this gusto, none of this like, right, we're going to play for the badge tonight, lads. We've got Wolves. They're on a bit of a sheepish run. They might be a little bit... um, um, mentally struggling because of how they lost against Man United, being with the last kick of the game. This is a good time to play them. None of that. None of that. And I think that, as you said, the the atmosphere is starting to wane a little bit because, again, I I touched on about how bad the away form has been over the last two years. The home form hasn't been great either. When you look at who we've beaten at home or who we've dropped points to at home and how we've dropped points to at home, the home form hasn't been good enough and fans have got the right to express their feelings towards potch towards todd towards the players they've got every right to do it
1: yeah a- a- absolutely you know you're, you're always entitled to to voice how you how you feel as a fan um you know ultimately the club's nothing about the fans um and look it's not it's not been what we've expected um i think what doesn't help is that these owners are, are different. You know, of course they are. You know, it's not. you're never going to get another Roma. You're never, never going to get another singular owner of, of, of a football club. I think those days are kind of gone. A, we're, look, we're going down a different route, right? And change. people don't like change. Change is different. It means it's signalling of, of something new. And you're not quite sure what you're going to get. And for me, I just feel there's been a lack of kind of open and honest communication. Yes, they've been a lot more you know, present and a lot more hands on than we've been used to. But, you know, it would be nice at times if you think, you know, you just come out and say, do you know what, whatever happens, we're sticking with the manager until the end of the season minimum. Just come out and say that, you know, just give, just give some communication. Don't just allow things to sort of run wild and, you know, you know, oh, he's going to be sacked after this game. Or, you know, the the amount of briefings that came out after that Wolves game, uh, were, was just unbelievable. So many, and it's it's funny, I not it? They've probably been sitting on these stories for months, and as soon as there's a bit of a there's a bad moment, bang, all these stories come out. Oh, players are considering their future. They're not happy about the long term contracts. They're signed. the project's not what they thought it was going to be. Oh, so and so player wants to leave. Oh, you know, there's not enough tactical instructions on the training pitch. There's this and that. Well, well, that's just suddenly come out. What all those people have just said that stuff. What in the last couple of days? Of course they haven't. They've been sitting, waiting on that. We know how this works. Articles get released and stuff gets released when things are doing going badly. You now, if we're doing well, those stories don't even come out. So, you know, you have to kind of... that, that, that That's the nature of it, unfortunately. That's kind of the game. That's the media. That's kind of how, how things work. But I, would, I think a bit more open communication from the owners would be a, would be a good thing. Um, and look, ultimately, for me, like... You've chosen to go down this route. The squad is clearly imbalanced in terms of kind of profiles, age profile, um, you know, experience, etc. We know it, we know it's imbalanced. We know you know it's it's lopsided in that way. Um, but for me, ultimately, like as as this ownership, you've come in, this is the path you've chosen to go down. You've got to ride this out. You can't come in and preach the project and do all this stuff and then be turfing managers out every six or seven months. Ultimately, you've come in, this is what you want to do. You either stick with that and you stick with the manager no matter how badly it's going, mm. or you rip it all up and you go down a different route because you don't have a project by switching the manager every six, and, six to seven months. So for me, you know, whether we like it or not, you've got to stand by what you're doing as an ownership. And if this is what you're going to do and this is what you believe in and this is what you think works, then you stick by it. You don't get anywhere changing the manager constantly. So for me, mate, like, whether we like it or not, you've come in, You've this is the route you've chosen to go down, stick with it. Own it. Own the decisions you've made. Or there's nothing wrong with saying, actually, do you know what? We've gone down this route. We thought it was going to be all right. It's not been all right. We're going to switch things up. But don't sort of just dither and dally in in in, in the middle with, with with what it kind of seems like right now.
0: If Poch wins a trophy, whether it's the League Cup or even the FA Cup, I think he's got. I I think he's got enough clout behind him to at least deserve another season. He's made a lot of mistakes in terms of team selection, in terms of tactics. He has made more mistakes than I was predicting he would, to be fair, based on what we've got as a squad. Carlwell as a left back, not at all. Things like that. Ben Shearwell playing as a left winger. No, it, it just doesn't work. There are times even when Sterling plays, it just doesn't work. More on that in a minute. But if... If you, if there is progression, at the moment we're not seeing any because we're still in the same position we was this time last year. But if there's progression between now and the end of the season whereby we lift a trophy or we might even beat a couple of the big sides that we have left before the end of the season, I think Potts deserves at least another season, another transfer window to at least get some of his ideas still implemented. Because again there may be some players that will leave the club and we'll we'll discuss about that in a minute one player that potentially could leave and there was uh, a interesting a celebration that he did after the wonderful free kick against Aston Villa was Enzo Fernandez now he's been linked um as we are speaking he's been linked with a move to Barcelona i find that humorous considering how Barcelona can afford him i don't know but he's been linked with a move is he going to be one that we're going to completely miss? Because his performances have been very on and off since he's joined the club for the for the past year. He's still only 23. He hasn't reached his peak yet. Where do you see this going? Do you think Enzo? And there was talk about Enzo and his his agent has said that he's not he's not going anywhere. He's happy. Although he's deleted his social media account because of the amount of abuse he's received, and more on that probably later. Where do you see this situation going with Enzo Fernandez?
1: Look, firstly, I think it would be naive to say that any of these players are going to see out these seven or eight-year contracts. Like a lot of these guys are contracted to 2030, 2031. So like, as much as we would like to think that, oh, these guys are going to stay here the whole time, the reality is probably a lot of them won't, Um, which is fine, that happens. But I think in regards to Enzo Fernandez, I just think it's amazing in this day, day and age how people can just without any consequences seemingly, just make stuff up. You know, it's it's quite incredible for me um, how that still happens in this day and age where someone could just write something, it's not sourced, it's not checked, it's not validated, Mm -hmm. put it out there Mm -hmm. and everyone just believes it. Um, You know, it's it's kind of mad. Uh, Yeah, look, for me... I don't think, look, I can understand why players might have second thoughts about the project, but I wouldn't have thought, you know, these guys knew what they were signing up for when they joined the football club. This isn't a surprise what's going on now. Maybe they wouldn't have expected it to be quite this bad, but I think they would have known that, you know, when it was pitched to them or pitched to their teams, their agents or whatever, that this was going to be a work in progress. It wasn't going to be an instant success thing. Um, and there were going to be sort of peaks and troughs of it. Um, and look, Enzo Fernandez. I think he's an exceptional footballer. Um, he's been hit and miss this season for sure. Um, we need we do need more from him. I do also feel that a part of the reason as to why he's not performed that well is firstly being utilised, like not to how he operates best. So a number of times this season been utilised as a number 10 does not work. And then when he's played alongside Caicedo, the gap between them has been far too, far too big. Um, you know, Enzo's been going forward a lot as well. And you see like, you know, stills or heat maps or whatever or average position maps and is just in that midfield on his own and no wonder we're just getting bypassed through so like for me I think if en- look the Aston Villa is the blueprint now for how these two should play they're a lot closer together Enzo was deeper they have a bit of license to get forward as well and with Thiago Silva not playing there wasn't as big a gap between the the defense and the midfield they were able to push up and, like, with the Sassy and barrios being not rapid, but quicker than Thiago Silva is, you know, that, that sort of ball over the top wasn't kind of utilised as much, and he looked a lot more defensively solid. I know it's only one game. But, yeah, look, in regards to Enzo, mate, I just think it's, this is the day and age of misinformation. Uh, Would he see out his eight-year contract? No one knows that. Um, but this idea that, you know, he's looking at leaving Chelsea as soon as the summer is utter nonsense for me. One, you're not going to get anywhere near the money for him. And then if you're going to make stuff up, at least make it believable. Like Barcelona can't afford... If you think Barcelona can afford over €100 million euros for a player, they can't even pay wages for certain players. They can't even register certain players in the yeah. squad. And then you think, you know, Enzo Fernandez offered himself to Barcelona. Like, it's... For me, it's just, it's just stupid. It's a sad indictment of kind of journalism uh, in this day and age. And it puts a, a down on, on, on the few good ones that are out there when you've just got people... Just make stuff
0: up. Completely agree with that. Absolutely. Um, We'll touch on the Villa game because that's one thing I I did want to talk about. Obviously, so we had the piss-poor performance against Wolves. We had a lot of downers, a lot of people uh, saying enough's enough. It's time for a change. Villa away. We, certain people in the media, certain pundits were saying it's foregone conclusion. Aston Villa are going to win. We turn up and trounce them. Great goal by Conor Gallagher. Great goal by Jackson. Wonderful cross by Gusto, by the way. That's probably one of the best crosses he's done this season. And we beat them in their own backyard. Not many people were expecting it. A little bit annoyed with the Aston Villa goal, but that's that's just me being picky. But what a performance. Arguably, best performance I've seen under Todd Bowley's ownership, away from home. But the the difference that i saw was as you said dizazi i thought he was probably had his best game for us baddishill back to some sort of his consistent standard that he had last season but no tiago silva no sterling that i thought was key and i think Poch, if he's brave enough and man enough i think he sent a message knowing that right these are the players that have done well now against a good Aston Villa side, a fully strength Aston Villa side. It wasn't like it was Aston Villa B team. And now what, what's going to happen now against Palace? Is he going to keep with the same squad? He has to. He can't just go right, Silver and Sterling back in because that's just going to completely... A, that should demoralise the team. When you look at how we played, and there was a, more of an identity and Cuckoo still got to sort of come back to some sort of strength, some sort of fully f- being trying to be fully fit when he comes on. I don't like Palmer as like the false nine and then Jackson played on the left. I did not like that, but it did work, to be fair, in the first half. But your thoughts on that incredible victory and we just seemed co- a completely different side to what we saw on Sunday. Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing, isn't it? You know, it like when you know the backs are against the wall, you're under massive pressure. It kind of feels like the manager's one game from the sack. People say, Oh, if he wins, he can stay. If we if lose, then he needs to go. And it's such a t- typical Chelsea thing to do to put a performance of the season out the bag when you most need it and when everyone least expects it. Um, you know, I think travelling up there, I don't think even the most positive Chelsea fans. Wouldn't have expected us to, to get a result at Villa Park. As you say, you know, their form there's been exceptional this season, they did lose to Newcastle last time out. That was their first defeat of the season mm-hmm. at home. They're very strong there. Um, and you know, Poch made made it made a couple of changes. I mean, a lot of people were calling for the back three before the game, myself included. Um, we didn't see that. Um, well, certainly not from the off, um, but there were a few changes, as you, as you say. You know, Nicholas Jackson was deployed down the left hand side, which I think works really well. Knowing by the had an exceptional game. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, Shiel came in alongside uh, the sassy silver dropped, rotated, whatever you want to call it, um, and Malagusta had an exceptional game there. But I think do you know what the big, the big thing for me was was how close together Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo were. For me, that's mm. that's both of their best performances, of, best performances of, of the season, hands down. And it's no surprise that it's come when they've played a lot closer together. Gallagher, pressing from the front, ha- had one of his best games in, in a number of weeks. Um, and it's frustrating, though. Because when you see a performance like that, you're just like, these guys are capable and they can do it. And Pochettino is prepared to, to kind of switch things up tactically to make different decisions. But you're thinking... All right, you do it in this game, but why have we not seen that at all for pretty much the oh, vast majority that. of the season? There's, yes. been no, yes. there's been no willingness to switch things up, and I'm just thinking, like, hey, hang on a second—you play Jackson down the left, right? You, you know, you you, you played Enzo and, and Kaisei closer together. You switch to a back three when Thiago Silva came on. So, these are all little things, right? That sort of are, are important in game management, tactical flexibility, and stuff. You've shown it when you know you're virtually being almost hounded out of the club, yet you don't show that at any other point in this season. So but that for me is really frustrating. I think he made bold calls and the and right calls in terms of not starting Sterling, not starting Thiago Silva. Um in terms of Raheem Sterling, I think, you know, for me personally, just, just not is just not doing the business. Doesn't deserve to be in the team. He's, no. he's a liability. I mean, his body language I think is awful when he comes on doesn't track back and work and work work well defensively. When he gets the ball, I don't think he's a great dribbler, he just runs into people. And you look when well, he didn't play right. And I, I know it's just one game, okay? And it's important not to get carried away. But it's like the the attack looks so much more fluid when he doesn't play. We just looked mm. so much better. Um, and as you as you say the key thing now is right, we've seen this. This is a good performance. Pochettino going on about how you know he said in team meetings how much he trusts these young players and they've gone out of Villa Park in a, in a hostile environment, difficult scenario, and they've put in an exceptional performance. It's now on you to be brave enough to not just revert back to type and put Sterling back in and put Silver back in. Mm. I think, look, in, in regards to Thiago Silva, I don't want people to get this wrong that I think that, you know, he, he's not a good footballer or, or you know, he, he doesn't deserve to be in the team. But it's quite clear, right, at f- almost 40 years of age, the guy is slowing down a little bit. He's not got the most pace and teams are targeting him. And in the back four, you know, everything goes through him. You know, he's the one that's on the ball. You know, there's too big a gap between the midfield and, de- and the defence when, when Silver plays. And look, he's absolutely got a role to play. But for me if it's in a back four, he shouldn't be starting every week. And that, I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say about someone who's almost 40 years of age and is being targeted by other teams, particularly if we're looking to push a little bit higher up and play a bit of a higher line. Unfortunately, as a f- almost 40-year-old centre-back, you're going to be targeting with balls in behind with teams that have got pacey attacks. And that that's kind of what happens. Wolves exposed him. He's definitely got a role to play. You know, I'm not saying that he can't start any more games, but Certainly, you know, we shouldn't be relying on him to be a starter every single week. You saw it in the back three when he came on in the Villa game. Uh, that that I think that's how we need to maybe look at utilising him when, when we're trying to see games out. Um, but I certainly don't feel he should be starting every week at, at, at this point in time. And I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. We do eventually have to move on from Thiago Silva. Yes, he can play, can offer good value to us for the remainder of this season. But I just look at it and I think, this guy's not needed every single week. He's being targeted. He's being exposed. Um, Bally Shill had a very good game, his best game of the season comfortably. He's really struggled since he's come back from injury. He's made a lot yeah. of individual, individual mistakes and a lot of poor games. This was his best game by far. Um, and yeah, it, n- now the big thing is, mate, has Potch got the bottle to stick with, to stick to his guns? And we'll find out seven o'clock Monday night, if you see R- R- Raheem Sterling and Thiago Silva back in the team, Obviously, Silver could come back in if Colwell's not fit, depending on what the latest on Badia Shields groin injury is. He might have to come back in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if but if Sterling comes back in, if Silva comes back in unnecessarily, then you kind of know that Pot just kind of—I don't say he's bottled it, but he's kind of gone safe and he's and he, and he's reverted to type again. And it's really important that he sticks to his guns now.
0: We're talking about Monday, Palace away. Big game, really, because at the moment we we need to pick up as many wins as we possibly can. I'm not saying we're going to go down, but in terms of just momentum, because we have got the cup final coming up. We've got obviously the FA Cup as well against Dirty Leeds. So we don't want to be going to these games struggling and being what we have been for the last two, three years is inconsistent. So is would you say this is the perfect time to play Palace knowing that Apparently, Roy said in a press conference the other day. Basically, his three best players are out: Eze, Olise, and Goule.
1: Yeah, look, this this is a, look. No, there's no easy games in the Prem, uh, particularly games away from home. But if you were picking a time to play Crystal Palace, they're struggling right now. Uh, they're not playing good football. There's a lot of unrest there. Roy's not popular whatsoever. Uh, vast majority of the fan base want him gone and you couple that with no Michael Elise, no Eze and no Mark Gare here at the back Palace's three best players certainly they're two best attackers and you know they're, they're the guys that they look to for goals creativity and to make things happen you've got to look at that and you think right that makes the task much easier there's no denying you take the three best players out of a team it definitely makes it easier it doesn't mean they're going to turn up and win but it, it makes that task a bit easier and the big thing for us now is that we kick on and we try and you know, go on a run. If we turn up to Palace and God forbid we lose or we draw or whatever, Mm. then it almost makes the Villa game pointless. We've had so many false storms this season where we've put in a really good performance and then we think, right, we're going to kick on now. And then we turn up and we get hammered in a game. or We just don't turn up. For me now, like just get the three points somehow. We've had back-to-back defeats in the league, heavy defeats at that. We just need to get back to winning ways in the Premier League. And like, we should like this, shouldn't be too much of a difficult game for us. Um, and that could be famous last words, but it, it, in theory, it shouldn't be key players missing, uh, things not going well there. Um, we've just got to turn up and play like we can. Um, and but that's the big thing, though. You still you still don't know what, che- what version of Chelsea is going to turn up. You get an Aston Villa one, which you don't expect. And then it would be the most Chelsea thing
0: to go to a depleted Palace and somehow not win on Monday night. You know, you can't even rule that out. No, no, you certainly can't. Especially with this Chelsea team, you don't know what Chelsea team's going to turn up. You know, a lot of people were saying after Wednesday it was like a parallel universe. Where has this Chelsea side been? The, the you know the way they played, the movement off the ball, the confidence that was shown after you know the first two goals, and it just seemed that everything started to fall into place but to be fair we have been down this ro- we have been down this road before after sort of a decent away win or a decent performance against a top side so yeah interesting end to the season we've got the cup final as well to come up with i'm sure there's going to be many more news coming out in terms of tickets which we will hopefully touch on at a later episode before the cup final obviously but charlie again thank you very much for coming on to the show it's been a pleasure to have you back on Talking All Things Chelsea and hopefully we'll see you down at the bridge. I, I'm assuming we'll see you down at the bridge quite soon as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be back. Um, yeah, I'll be at Palace Monday night and then whatever the next game at the bridges, I'll be there. Uh, oh, it'll
0: be after the
1: cup final. It'll be Leeds in the cup. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be down for that one. Big game.
0: Big Big game indeed. Folks, thank you very much for joining us on the Blue Day Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast. Find us on YouTube at the Blue Day Podcast. You can find us on X at Blue Day Pod. And you can find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, folks. Stay safe and carefree.